Welcome to the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Show. I'm your host, Dave Quedall. On this episode, we're going to catch up with East St. Louis boys basketball coach Mark Chambers to talk about what it's like for him and his Flyers to be grounded this winter as the Illinois High School Association remains at the mercy of the Illinois Department of Public Health and Governor J.B. Pritzker when it comes to playing sports amidst the coronavirus pandemic. As it stands, Illinois remains the only state in the Midwest that has not started basketball season this winter. After that, we're going to catch up with STLHighSchoolSports.com's Greg Upton, who was at the CBC Chaminade game in a showdown between the top two ranked large schools in the area. He was also at a heck of a game on Thursday night out at Fort Zoom Walt West for the rotating eight tournament semifinals as he watched Kirkwood and O'Fallon Christian come down to the last play. So first we'll talk to Coach Chambers, then Greg will hop on to talk about some of the action the past couple of days here in the area. Thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, here's Coach Chambers. I'm now joined by Mark Chambers, East St. Louis boys basketball coach. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on the STLHighSchoolSports.com High School Sports Podcast. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to chat with you. It's Friday afternoon, and as we're talking, the Illinois High School Association is expecting to announce some changes to the winter sports, uh, low Low frequency contact sports are going to be uh, expected, I should say, to move forward in three of the designated COVID regions in Illinois. Uh, one of the regions that will still have to be on hold is the one near St. Louis. I think it's what region are you guys in? Four? Yeah, we're in region four. So it, that is one of the regions where the 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 metrics they use to measure transmission and whatnot is not at a level where they're okay letting those uh, low-risk activities go forward. So the big announcement today from the IHSA really won't affect anybody here in the area. But I did want to talk to you and get your perspective about what this unprecedented basketball season has been like because there hasn't been a season for Illinois kids so what's it like for your guys and, and y- your staff to kind of be sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen, if anything's going to happen, while I think the entire Midwest continues to plug ahead with hoops, especially yeah. Missouri? Yeah, I, I think that's the frustrating part with it, with it all, just seeing your – like some of my players seeing their friends play that live, you know, just a few minutes away. Um, but for us as a program, you know, it's, you know, it's been tough because as you, as you know, the basketball is a, uh, an outlet for these kids, for a lot of these kids. And, um, so we're just, you know, right now we're, we're not doing anything. It's just, just the wait and see thing. And, um, you know, we're just, we're just kind of waiting to see, we just control the things that we can control. Uh, the guys are, you know, staying positive, making sure that, you know, they're getting their books because, you know, we try to stress the, you know, we're, they're student athletes first. And uh, even that's been a challenge, you know, with with remote learning. So we just trying to make sure that uh, that we're staying on top of them, doing a lot of Zoom meetings and uh, just making sure that everybody stays on point. 
and what is it like trying to to get high school age kids to be interested in school when it's on a laptop all day or an <laughs> iPad? I mean, I have two children who are doing virtual learning. They're elementary aged, and that's no picnic, much less a teenager who, you know, there are a million other things to do with their day that don't involve sitting in front of a laptop. What are the challenges you have found trying to keep your guys interested? Yeah, for some of them, it, it has been been difficult um, because, you know, just, just sit being at home and having so many other things to do, watch TV or play video games or, you know, things like that. So what we've done is uh, we try to try to just monitor it and just uh, have them monitor each other um, and just to make sure that, like, if someone's not in class, they'll text me, coach, you know, such and such is not in class. You know, so so we just kind of monitor it and kind of stay on them and just to get them to understand that hopefully that there's going to be life beyond beyond COVID and they have to be prepared for it. And um, so therefore, we we hold each other account. We hold they hold each other accountable and um, they've been doing a really good job of it thus far. Uh, At first, it wasn't easy because they were thinking that. Uh, well, we don't have to do any work. A few of them were, and we don't have to do any work. We're remote. But then when they saw the grades come in, they're like, okay, we do have to do work now. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that has changed now, and everything everything's worked out. They've uh, actually got used to it, but still, it's it's not ideal, that's for sure. And a lot of the research we're seeing now is is just the levels of, of anxiety and depression among teenage youths in particular are are significant when it comes to the pandemic, especially in virtual learning situations. I mean, obviously, basketball is would be an outlet for your guys to help yeah. with that. So, I mean, what are the things you can do or are you just hamstrung? Because I know at one point the IHSA had, had opened up a lane for uh, – one-on-one instruction and you know right. practice with with very limited people in the building those kinds of things are you able to do those or has that guidance changed no that has changed we haven't done anything for a couple months now i think november 20th uh, they shut us down so we have i haven't seen my guys you know outside of zoom meetings um yeah so they're just keeping busy uh finding they're finding gyms to go work out in doing individual work at home and um just they they'll meet up uh in the they met actually they met up in the park one park somewhere so they they're just doing things to keep themselves busy and keep themselves occupied and how frustrating is it frustrating i'd imagine it is to look across the river like we said earlier at at missouri but also Kentucky and Indiana and even Michigan, which at one point had paused, has since resumed. What is it like to look at the the other states surrounding and yeah, see everybody else playing? Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. And and that's the biggest thing that I get from my guys. Like, okay, coach, why why Illinois? Why aren't we playing? Everybody else is playing. And, you know, it's not fair. I'm hearing that a lot. And, you know, just um, this isn't right. You know, but, you know, I try to tell them, you know, like I said, we control the things that we control um, and the governor made decisions and uh, we have to we have to stick by those. And, um, you know, sometimes this, you know, I also use it as a life experience. I mean, because, you know, 
a lot of times you're put in situations that you really can't control and um, you just have to roll with the punches. And so they're, they're frustrated, believe me, but um, you know, especially the seniors, you know, I think I have seven seniors and um, a lot of them have a lot of talent and they have some scholarships on the line. I think that's, that's the biggest part for some of them. It's like, coach, we can't show our talent. And um, so hopefully, you know, as, as the spring comes, comes around, we'll be able to uh, play a few games. We did see several players from the Metro East transfer to other places. A couple came over to the St. Louis side. A couple of O'Fallon guys actually went to Louisiana. Have, have any of your guys expressed an interest about leaving, or is that something that, that hasn't been on the table? Uh, I, as of now, no one has said anything to me about it, but I'm, I'm sure that, that they have thought about it. Um, I'm sure that it's been brought to them, but no one has brought it to me yet. And, um, you know, and if they did, I would, you know, it's one of those things. What, what, what can you say as a coach? Sure. Because you understand, you know, you understand the situation. So uh, when you see they're playing in other places and uh, you have to you have to basically waste almost waste a year, you know, at least a half of a year. And so a lot of them are like, you know, I, I get it, but they're they're upset and uh, they really want to get on the court. And hopefully we will soon. Hopefully you will. <laughs> it, it has been um, since March, the Illinois High School Association shut down the postseason tournament. The Flyers had. We're, we're on their way to a sectional final. Do I have that? You guys were on. Yeah. You were going to go play in the sectional finals when the tournament mm-hmm. was canceled last year. And now we're we're creeping into almost a full calendar year where the country yes. has been wrestling with this. What is it like for you guys, especially the basketball you know community who who had their season end prematurely and then to have the beginning of the season wrecked by it all over again? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely frustrating, man. I tell you, we um, you know, the guys were looking forward to to trying to repeat last year and um you know, it got cut short. A lot of seniors, man, that was that was difficult because we were headed at, we had just finished practice last, you know, I think it was March 12th and um we we had just finished practice and the guys were in the locker room and I had to break the news to them. And, you know, that was one of the worst experiences I've had as a coach. I mean, a lot of tears in the locker room and it was just, it was a bad situation. And um, for those seniors to, to lose their last, you know, few games, that was, that was difficult. Now the juniors at that point, you know, now they're seniors. I mean, they're experiencing it again. And uh, it's, it's difficult. I tell you, um, but you know we're 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 gonna trug along as a program and um and just continue to try to whenever we get a chance to to play just contri- continue to try to uh, make sure that our, our our kids are doing the right things and um just excelling on and off the court you know um, that's just kind of where we are with it um but yeah the as far as the the playoffs last year and you know we 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 felt as if we had a great chance and now in this year coming in with this group. Heck, man, we felt like we had a, a a good chance to get back again. So it's uh it's frustrating for me with this being my, 
you know, fourth, fourth season, um, it, you know, to have really one full season. So it's definitely frustrating for me and a lot of the kids as well that have been here, that have been there since I've been there. Well, like you said, this is your fourth season, but actually uh, we were talking off air. It's your third, uh, just your third anniversary of being hired. You yep. got hired mid-season January of 2018. You yep. stepped in uh, to take over the program, led the Flyers to a sectional final, won the first regional mm-hmm. for the program in, I think, mm-hmm. was it six years or five years at that y- point? Y- yeah, I think since 13. 2013. So 2018, mm-hmm. the Flyers win their first regional in five seasons. Um, lose a heartbreaker to Marion in the sectional final, a double overtime yeah. thriller. Your, uh, the Flyers <laughs> had a 12-point lead to start the fourth, and all yeah. it all went south. You, I, I was at that game. It was at Centralia, a beautiful gym. I'd yeah. never been there before. Um, but you said something as you were finished talking with the, us assembled media goofs. You said, we'll be back. Before you went in the locker room, you said, we're going to be back. Believe me. And, <laughs> you know, and a lot of guys say that in that time. But if I'll be damned if you're, you and your guys didn't make it happen. The next year, you go out and win the Class 3A state championship. First right. state title for the East St. Louis Flyers. And I'm curious, what was the, the disappointment of the, the sectional final that year how did that propel your guys to the the accomplishment of a championship the next year yeah I mean that was that was, honestly that was huge because uh with me coming into January I, I couldn't get my complete stamp on the team um but we knew we had a lot of talent I had to clean out clean out some attitudes and you know instill a little discipline and and get them to see the big picture but that loss if you could have went in that locker room after that um, interview, I mean, guys were laying all over the floor crying. It was, it was, it was a crazy scene, man. And I'm like, and so I, I, I talked to them then, and I'm like, look, man, we, we have a lot of talent here. And, and, and the, pro, the program is, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, nobody thought that we would go into Centralia and beat them. Nobody expected us to go to the sectional championship. So I knew I had a good mix of guys, um, but I just needed to, I needed some more practices. I needed some more time. We needed a summer to get some work in. Um, We needed to play a summer, you know, a summer, some summer games and uh, have a fall training. You know, we needed, we needed the whole process. And, uh, you know, thank, thank goodness that I had a group of good group of guys led by TJ Hargrove. Mm -hmm. And uh, they bought in completely. And I knew when I said that, I knew I, I believed it with all my heart. And um, from the from the time that we lost, I mean, I didn't I didn't see them for a while, but they were in the gym working without me. And so I knew I was like, this this is a special group. And um, true enough, they led us to a state championship. So. <laughs> Well, you like you said, you took over mid-season. You mm-hmm. and your your nickname at one point was five, as you said earlier, <laughs> because you were the fifth. Yeah. Se- you were the fifth coach in uh, 
three seasons for Eastside, who had some coaching turmoil, if we could call it that. You were the sixth coach <laughs> right. for the program in seven years. And, wow. and after a, a dozen years as an assistant coach over at Cahokia, I have to ask, what, what made you decide this was the time to, to jump in and try my hand at leading a program? Well, you know, yeah, they did call me five, and that, that was kind of interesting. I'm like, who was five? I didn't know who they were. Someone was calling me down the hall, like, hey, five. I'm like, who was that? He was calling me. <laughs> but that was kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it was definitely a, a challenging period for me as far as making that decision. Being over there, me, you know, me and Coach Nash, we had uh, built something special as we – you know, we thought it was special over there, and we won several regional, sectional championships. Finished second in state uh, one year, and we just felt as if it was special. But also, I, me being from East St. Louis, um, winning the state championship at Lincoln, I had you know I've been watching East St. Louis for a while, and just kind of seeing how things were going. Knew there was a lot of talent. Just, you know, didn't know exactly what was going on inside over there. But um, when they called me, you know, I, I talked to my wife and, you know, my kids. And, you know, I just felt it was the best thing to do at that time. Um, and true enough, you know, it, it's worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> I, I can say that. Well, I, it, it worked out great, but that is a significant leap of faith. I mean, mm-hmm. for you to, to, to make that to make that move midseason and obviously in a program that was in need of, of some stability and you yeah. brought that. So that was your first season. You yeah. come in midseason. Second year, you, the Class 3A state champs. Third season gets put to bed due to the virus. And here we are in year four with no season to be played as of yet. What, what, what has it been like – in your tenure as a head coach, because a lot of guys I talk to uh, tell me that it's obviously different from being an assistant, even as one as trusted as yourself would have been with Coach Nash at Cahokia. Mm. But it's it the moving that one seat down the bench to to that head job can be a big difference. I'm curious what your experience was. Yeah, you know the I, I think the biggest thing was just going in going into the unknown. Like, even though I, I'm from the city, you know, still not being close to the program, but just, just going into the unknown and not really knowing the players and, you know, the, the people that were influencing the program. And uh, it's, it's definitely been, been different um, being, being, in, being in the head seat and just kind of, kind of like kind of steering at things the way that I wanted to go. And so I had an idea of, you know, how I wanted the program to look, you know, how I want the players to, to carry themselves. Uh, and I really just wanted to bring stability to the whole program, regardless of, of what they've gone to gone through before I had to build that trust. Uh, and, and once they found out that they could trust me, uh, and I found out that I could trust them, I kind of like the rest is history, you know, because, uh, there were there were some trying times there at, for early on, you know, because they didn't know me. They didn't. They knew I was at Cahokia. You know, I had to take them out outside because there's a picture of my uh, 87 team that won the state championship. So I had to take them out there to see the picture of me on on there 
And uh, they're like, oh, that's you with the with the fro. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so they started calling me Jerry Curly after that. But uh, but but we really we really formed a bond. And, and, and so I just I just, you know, it wasn't about I made, made sure that it wasn't about basketball. It was about us getting to know each other. It was about them just becoming good people, becoming good students, making sure that they're taking care of their business. And, um, you know, they completely bought in. And so that made my transition a lot easier. Um, I did, Of course, I didn't know what I was getting into. But, um, you know, they made, it, they made it a lot easier for me. I'll tell you that. And I'm curious, as a as a Lincoln guy, any hesitation jumping in with the Flyers? Uh, that was a heated rivalry in its time. Yeah, it was, but no, it wasn't. Um, you know, things are what they are. Um, we had a really good run, and you know, I, you know, the orange and black is always special in my heart for sure. But uh, you know, our city, our city needed needed help at that time. And our basketball program, our basketball community needed help. And I saw myself as that person that could help. And um, that's why I didn't even I didn't even really think about it twice. You know, it's like, OK, let's let's do it. And uh, once I got there, I've been all in and uh, it doesn't matter. Orange and black, orange and blue, which represent represent the city. And uh, we have some work to do with these young men. And uh, that's what that's what we're focused on. And. What is it like for you to be able to share that experience with them of winning a championship? And I'm curious off of that, what it's like to win as a player as you did and then win as a coach. Yeah. Well, part of the, my speech was, you know, is as far as getting them to understand the big picture and understand chasing greatness. And that was our model. That's been our model since I've been there. Um, it's, it's just me winning the state championship and, and telling them about the experience, letting them see our games and uh, having them talk to some of the guys that played during that time and just kind of bringing the history back, you know, the history of the city's basketball uh, back to them and letting them see it. And um, the, once, they, once they were able to see it, they, they kind of saw the big picture. And, that, and that's what I talk about all the time, big picture thinking. And they, they were able to see it. And no matter what we went through that year, it didn't matter. Uh, nothing stopped us. You know, we, it was a lot of adversity that came with that state championship. And nobody would know but them. Um, and they didn't care. And they just, they, they were not going to be stopped. And uh, as far as me, you know, I, Winning, winning a state championship in high school was, at that time was like the greatest thing in, in, in life, right? <laughs> you know, you're, I mean, you, you win the second state championship in state in uh, in uh, city history, and you know we were we were riding high. That was the first of three, and it was it was amazing time in the city, and uh, I just wanted to wanted them to experience that, you know, and that's what I told them. I just want you guys to experience it. And so now they call me like, coach, man, that state championship was, you know, it was amazing. It's, and we're going to be able to cherish this for the rest of our lives. Like, that's the thing that, that they're starting to realize now, because as they go off to college, they're, out, they're off in college and they all come back home and they all hang out, tell about stories that happen, you know, throughout the season. And so it's just an amazing time. And um, 
you know, I'm just I'm just thankful that I'm in a position to uh, be able to have done that for them. Mark Chambers, head coach at East St. Louis. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. All right, man. All right. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks again to East St. Louis boys basketball coach Mark Chambers for joining the show. We appreciate it. Up next, Greg Upton's going to talk about the CBC Chaminade Showdown on Friday night and that fantastic Kirkwood O'Fallon Christian game he caught on Thursday right after this break. I'm now joined by Greg Upton, who spent Friday night watching CBC and Chaminade showdown and the Metro Catholic Conference battle out at CBC. Greg, thanks for coming back on the show. What's cooking? Oh, my pleasure. No problem. Yeah, I saw saw a good one tonight, just kind of what we thought it would be. You know, I mean, obviously, when you get number one versus number two in our large school rankings, you know, probably the two best teams or at least two of the top three or four teams are probably the two best teams in a large school in the St. Louis area uh, together, you know, it's going to be a good one. And, you know, I, I, midway through the uh, fourth quarter, it's tied. It's a tie ball game. And I'm like, yep, here we got, we got ourselves the good one. We thought <laughs> yeah. we would. So came down to the wire, but Chaminade was able to pull it out on, uh, on CBC's home court, hand them their first loss of the season. And you, you threw a story up online for stlhighschoolsports.com. It'll be in Saturday, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And you talked about Damian Mayo Jr., who was yeah. clutch in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he really was. So he, he's he's their second-leading scorer on the season, averaging just a touch under 16 points per game. And right when I looked down at my scorebook, when I, when I noted that when it was 51-51, I looked at him, I'm like, man, He's only got eight points and he had six in the first quarter. So really quiet second and third quarter. And then bam, he gets a, he gets the ball at the free throw line with his back to the basket. No less beautiful turnaround jumper from the free throw line to give Chaminade the lead comes back down, does the exact same thing on the next possession, gives him a four point lead. Then he comes down and gets a block on the defensive end against Larry Hughes jr. He was all over the place there for you know a minute or so. And then he, he ended up with seven points in the fourth quarter, 15 for the game, so pretty much right at his average. But, yeah, he came through in the clutch tonight for the Red Devils when they needed it. He is just so impressive to me because of the variety of things he does at yeah. such a high level. Like you said, he's blocking shots. He's knocking yeah. down jumpers. He's And he's a guy you see a lot of players, especially young players who, you know, I thought I, the cadets did this a little bit. The cadets did this a little bit tonight too on the live stream. It's like mm-hmm. they don't know what to do, so they shoot it or they they kind of rush it. It just seems like Mayo's always in control. It's just, right. He always makes the right basketball play in those situations. It seems it's very right. it's a very mature mindset for a young player, and he is a yeah. junior. He's a junior, yeah. So you know, at his height, about six two, so he's got some good size there that he can do a bunch of things. And and uh, yeah, I mean, he can he can obviously you know shoot the three. He didn't uh, didn't get any tonight, but he had eleven on the season coming in. So you know, he can he can shoot it. Um, you know, and he he he's very good at going to the basket. And uh, you know, he gets a he gets a bunch of free throws. I mean, he's second on the team in free throw attempts behind the big man, Terrace Reed Jr. So. You know, he likes to slash towards the basket and get himself to the free throw line. Um, and he can just, yeah, and then, then then you get the little pull-up, you know, 15, 16-foot jump shots, the old-school variety that you can do too. And so, yeah, he did it in a variety of different ways. And, and yeah, speaking of CBC, that was one of the things that Justin Tatum kind of talked about after the game. He, 
he goes, he said, uh, you know, they kind of speed us up. They sped us up on defense and, you know, we took some shots that we probably didn't want to take or, you know, just, just didn't take, get the shots that we wanted to. And, and he attributed a lot of that to the Chaminade defense kind of, you know, speeding them up and making them do things that they didn't want to do. Because watching it, I thought CBC was really at its best when Rob Martin is obviously running the show. He's a guy who likes to go fast, and he just operates at such a high level with that pick and roll. I mean, and and I I thought young Mister Ward was really solid on him defensively for stretches. We haven't seen a lot of guards who can kind of stay in front of Rob Martin, and I thought Ward was there a a lot of the evening. And then they switched Mayo over to him at the end of the game, and I thought that was big too, getting a lot of different bodies to take a turn, trying to keep him in front of them. Yeah, you know, and Robert Martin, he had 11. He ended up with 16 points, but he had 11 of those in the first half, so only five in the second half, so they did a better job of clamping down on him you know, in the final 16 minutes. And like, like you said, some of that was, was Brian Ward. Some of that was, was Damian Mayo sliding over on him. So just that kind of a combination effort to kind of keep him down. But you know, when you can hold a, a guy who's averaging over 17 a game to five in the second half, then uh, obviously you're doing something right. And, and, and so – that was kind of the key for them to be able to, you know, come back from the deficit that they had, which wasn't huge. Um, but then, you know, and then overtake them uh, for the lead at the end. So uh, they did a good job on him all night and, and forcing, trying to trying to force some other guys to beat them and, and they weren't able to do it. We didn't see a whole lot uh, out of Larry Hughes Jr. A, a lot of the night. I mean, defensively, he was a nice presence, right. uh, but it, but he tried to to shoot from range. It did, he didn't have that touch tonight. I he went in for a huge dunk that <laughs> it just went off the back of the rim. Right. That would have been a monster yeah. play. It just seemed like he was just missing a little something. I don't know yeah. if it was the the intensity of the game, if he was just excited to show what he can do because he'd been playing very 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 well the last couple of games for the cadets yeah and he's a guy obviously with a famous last name who's going to be a huge part of their success this winter exactly and uh you're right he he did pull up for a couple threes there that just didn't fall had that monster dunk attempt that bounced off the back of the room we were talking about and um had some other ones where he went to the basket just kind of missed you know so like you said just a little bit off tonight i'm sure some of that can be attributed to the defense but um yeah just just a little bit off and you know maybe maybe trying to do a little too much trying to pick up some of that slack uh and and just just like you said just a little little touch off tonight but he'll have some better days here coming up, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Shivaye Karate Brinson continues to be the most integral part of CBC's front line. It's about 6'4". He's he's their best consistent rebounder. He took long shifts defending Terrace Reed, especially when Eric Holmes, their big 6'8 junior post, was in foul trouble. He had three in the first half and picked up his fourth, I don't know, pretty early in the third quarter. Yeah, it was... uh, it was very early in the third quarter. It was uh, two minutes into the third quarter. So yeah, so you got your, you got the one guy. The team he's the tallest guy listed on the team, and, and that's what six five. You know, obviously they've got some athletic guys that can jump higher than their height. Um, so you don't necessarily worry about what the listing is. 
Um, but you still want to have some big body. And, and Eric Holmes kind of got that bigger body, bigger upper body where he can, you know, maybe take some of that punishment from guys like Terrace Reed, the bigger guys. And so, yeah, him getting in foul trouble obviously changed up some plans that they want to do. But, yeah, Brenson, uh, you know, matched up pretty well on him, did a nice job. Like you said, he's he's a guy that gets his nose in there and gets some rebounds and, you know, uses his size at 6'4". Um, and he ended up with 15 points tonight. So he had a nice offensive ball game as well. He's averaging, you know, 13. So, uh, bucket over his average tonight, but, uh, he needed all the kind of the little things, um, to, to try and will the cadets to a victory. And if there is something to be taken for this from the, or taken from this for the cadets, I'd imagine it's how they played with Terrace Reed being, you know, 6'10 and dominant. He he was quiet offensively for stretches. Defensively, he was beating stuff left and right. right. I know he got called for a couple goal tens that on the video, it's like, was it coming down? <laughs> no. Yeah. But, I mean, he was beating stuff left and right. Um, but they managed to not let him kill them offensively, be it through their zone, be it through homes. So I, right. I thought if there is a silver lining for the cadets is that they can if they can find a way to keep terrorists from really dominating on the offensive end they're going to give themselves a chance to be in those that the next matchup late which would te- right. which would in theory be at chaminade i mean covid times we never know right. what's the hell's going to happen never know. Never and know. then the potential third meeting in the district yeah. the district tournament which includes cbc chaminade and webster groves and a really good kirkwood team we're going to talk right. about Absolutely. So, yeah, it could, uh, you know, they were already talking, obviously, a potential, you know, three matchups uh, with two more still to come. They will, uh, like you said, hopefully have that matchup February 19th, I believe is what it is at at, uh, Chaminade. Um, So it's, you know, one of the last couple games of the regular season before we hit that. So, you know, CBC will have, you know, and obviously they've seen Terrace Reed before, so they have film on him. But, you know, now they'll see what they did right, what they did wrong against him. Uh, tonight, you know, he ended up with 16 points, but you know, it was eight and eight, eight in the first half, eight in the second half, but the eight in the first half were all, all on buckets, four buckets. Whereas in the second half, they lim- limited him to just one free throw. Now I did go six for six from the free throw line. So you don't want to send him to the line too much, uh, because he can, he can hurt you that way. And then obviously he did what he did, you know, rebounding wise and defensively with his, uh, not just a six ten frame, but his wingspan that he can, mm-hmm. you know, get out on it and, and, and really cause havoc for some offenses trying to go to the basket. So, you know, yeah, like you said, they did a, they did a good job on him tonight. They'll take a look at that film, I'm sure. And, and, and make sure they stress what they did right, uh, and pick out what they did wrong and, and, and see what, see how they can do, uh, in the next meeting. And, and again, possibly too, if they end up hooking up again in the classics district four tournament. Well, one, a team that's probably going to have something to say about whether or not CB and Chaminade play in the district tournament is Kirkwood, who went out and won the Rotating Eight tournament Friday night that was hosted by Fort Zumwalt West. They uh, that you saw them on Thursday night when they rallied for a thrilling yeah. victory in the tournament semifinals against O'Fallon Christian. Will Lee had a huge game, but the quarterback for the football team had the the couple of clutch plays what happened right. thursday night with uh, kirkwood and o'fallon christian yeah so the two biggest uh standouts of the night for the pioneers are guys that you would you know maybe associate more with football with, with willie and cannon nestledge um you know and and, and nestledge you said you said the quarterback um had a had a you know had himself a a modest nondescript kind of game leading up leading up to that point 
you know, he had uh, nine points through the first 31 minutes of the game, and he averages about 11, which leads the team. So, um, you know, he was right near that average, but, uh, you know, Fallon Christian took a two-point lead on a uh, jumper from Kalen Black with just under 20 seconds to go in the game, and Kirkwood uh, brought the ball back down. They were trying to figure out what they're going to do in the last shot. And the ball was in the hands of uh, Javaris Moye, the sophomore guard. And he saw Cannon Nestledge open in the, uh, in the left corner, right in front of the Kirkwood bench. And he, he uh, gave him a nice pass over there and he buried it from the corner, give the team a one point lead. And then he came back down on the defensive end and, and blocked uh, a shot by uh, Renard Harry, a Horry from uh, O'Fallon Christian. And, you know, the difference in size, you know, Nestle's six, seven, Horry's five, seven. So a little bit of a size advantage there, but, you know, Horry tried to get down there and get on the baseline and get a, get a pretty good open look there just ahead of the buzzer. But Nestledge made the nice play and ended up blocking it. But yeah, they, they wouldn't have been to that point if it wasn't for Will Lee. I mean, he had a fantastic ball game. He ended up with 23 points and he had 10 of those in the fourth quarter. I mean, he really early on in that fourth quarter took the pioneers on his back and said, come on boys, let me take you down here. Cause uh, you know, the, 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 uh, Eagles had a nice little lead there. I mean, they had a nine-point lead uh, with three minutes to go in the in the third quarter. So, you know, they were trying to trying to close things out a little bit. They had some guys in foul trouble, and they only had well when they started the game, they had seven guys on the bench. Two two more guys showed up right after the start of the game. Those two guys actually never played, so they had uh, just seven guys and three of their starters ended up fouling. Or yeah, two of two of their starters ended up fouling out of the game, but they had some other guys in, with some foul issues too. So. You know, they were trying to hang on for dear life there at the end. But Will Lee, big fourth quarter leading up to Cannon Nestledge in the final 10 seconds, coming away, um, you know, with a with a, uh, a nice win in that one. And then coming back and beating a, a good Poplar Bluff team tonight, I had a chance to kind of see the mules there uh, in the fourth quarter last night against Whitfield. And, you know, they did some nice things. I mean, they, they entered with a 9-2 and two record tonight just like Kirkwood. So both teams looked like they were pretty evenly matched. And one of the things where I talked to, uh, Jimmy McKinney, the Pioneers coach, about after the game was he kind of lamented the slower start they had against Christian. And, you know, they that's what precipitated them having to, you know, do a lot of things in the fourth quarter and coming back for the win. He go, he said, you know, we need to come out better tomorrow night in the championship game against Poplar Bluff. Well, looking at the box score tonight, they, they were ahead 17 to four at the end of the first quarter. So I'd say, you know, mission accomplished there coming out and setting the tone early. And that's what led them to the victory tonight. It looks like. Kirkwood beats Poplar Bluff for the rotating eight championship, 47-39 Friday night at Fort Zumwalt West. A huge victory for, like you said, Jimmy McKinney, the first-year coach at Kirkwood. And uh, the Pioneers have won seven of their last eight since being knocked off by three by a really good Webster Groves team on December 18th. Uh, fascinating uh, start to the season for Kirkwood. Yeah. So what did you see out of O'Fallon Christian? That's a team that, that is obviously talented, has a, had a lot of guys back after making a nice run to the Class 3 quarterfinals last season, losing to eventual champ Cardinal Ritter in what was a pretty tight ball game all the way to the finish. Yeah. And uh, the obviously they hit quarantine at some point earlier. I mean, some teams are – or are playing shorthanded depending on the night. What what were you able to see out of that O'Fallon Christian group? 
Yeah, so this is the this is the second time I've, I've seen them this season. I saw them earlier this season when they won the uh, tip-off classic up in Winfield, so I've had a chance to see them a couple times. And they, they have a they have a really good starting five. I mean, I, I love their starting five when you got the point guard R.J. Horry and you got his his brother Renard, as I mentioned, you know, and then you got the the other squad, I mean, Christian Davis, Roddy Alexander, and Kalen Black. All those guys, except for RJ, uh, average in double figures. And, of course, he's the facilitator, so he's the guy who gets them the ball. You know, they're not a deep team, and that's, that's you know, going to maybe come back and bite them. And that, you know, you saw a little bit of that last night when they have two starters fall out of the game, and you're bringing in a couple guys who don't necessarily play a whole lot. Now, they were missing Colby Bolden, who's like their their number one reserve off the bench. He's their sixth guy. He, he did not play last night. He hasn't played the last couple games. So uh, when they get him back, that'll give them a little bit more depth. Uh, every time I watch them play, I think, man, if they just had a big man. I mean, they, and they do. They have a, a guy. Nate Lund, who's, who's six foot eight, bless his heart. He's not the, you know, he's not the the, the biggest standout in the world, but he, I mean, he does his part, do a great charge last night. He'll do some things, but you know, you, you throw a Terrace Reed or a Sam Thompson on their team, whoo, you know, it would be a, a different story. And, you know, and tonight I, I kept looking down there and think, man, they could really use uh, karate Brenson on the, you know, and obviously used to be on their team. He's not a necessarily a big guy, but he's six, four, he can do some things. He would be a nice extra body that they could still have. You know, obviously he's been at CBC now the past few years. So, um, but yeah, if they just had a big guy, that would obviously, you know, be a big help to them. So they just got to try and stay out of foul trouble, which is hard to do because they like to, you know, play that swarming defense where they're up on you. So, um, you know, but they've got the pieces. They've got a very nice team. I, I love watching them play, uh, you know, because they can score at the drop drop of a hat and and so it's it's fun watching them play um you know and then they just fell a little short last night and having those got a couple starters on the bench didn't help they they turned the ball over way too many times in the fourth quarter and that's what their coach adam glenville was kind of lamenting after the game you know i mean there was a stretch there where both teams were turned over, but especially Christian. I mean, they may have turned it over five or six possessions in a row beginning of the fourth quarter, end of the third quarter. So that was a tough stretch for them. Um, you know, just hang on to the ball and do their things. They'll, they'll be good most of that. Obviously, they were playing a larger school, a larger classification school last night. But when they, you know, play teams in their own class, they will definitely hold their own and hope, you know, hopefully they can give uh, some teams another run for their money. I think they will because they have a good core. A lot of those guys are going to be gone after this year, but, uh, you know, they got a good core uh, to try and make another run at it. Well, they beat Winf- Whitfield 61-57 yeah. for the third place at the rotating eight on Friday night, yeah. and they will test themselves against Shavaye Karate Brinson yep. and CBC on Monday yeah. as they travel to play what was originally scheduled for earlier in the season but was pushed back to Monday after uh, covid interfered as it has so often done uh, the last 10 months greg upton of stlhighschoolsports.com man thanks so much for joining the show all right no no problem it's my pleasure glad to talk to you as always thanks again to east st louis boys basketball coach mark chambers for joining the show and as always we appreciate greg upton for giving us his insights into the ball games he's been at this week as always you can read greg's work at stlhighschoolsports.com and in your st louis post dispatch until next week thanks for tuning in we appreciate it